The Be the Difference podcast is presented by Back to Back Ministries, a Christian nonprofit organization providing holistic care for orphan and vulnerable children and families around the world. To find out more about Back to Back or to follow on social media, head to backtoback.org. Welcome to Be the Difference, stories of everyday people being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Matthews, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. Yes, Sammy. (laughs) Chris, you did today's interview. Can you tell us a little bit about who we're going to listen to? We get to dive into the story of Michonne Rigmaiden. She is the co-founder of Strip Church Dayton, which is an organization that is bringing love and joy to men and women from the adult entertainment industry. Yeah, I said adult entertainment industry. Having said that, I just want to encourage you, you may listen to this podcast first before bringing your children in. And if you've experienced anything in this realm that's impacted you, you may have a friend listen and then draw you into the story. I do encourage you. This is about Michonne's journey of being the difference. She's really vulnerable. Share some really transformative thoughts here that I think will impact all of us. With that being said, here is my conversation with Michonne. Michonne, thanks for being part of this conversation around your story and a couple of topics that are really important to humanity, to equality, and to belonging. And as we go on this, I want to ask the question, before Strip Church Dayton, what was life like for Michonne? Well, Chris, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm super honored to be here. What was life like for Michonne before a strip church Dayton? So I was um, born into a preacher's family, grew up in the church. Um, I always say I was barcoded in to the Christian faith. Um, one of the things I learned pretty early in my life is that I am wired. I feel like the Lord wired wired me pretty rebelliously. Um, I wasn't a bad kid. I think I was a good kid, but just always wanting to live a little on the fearless side, um, always wanting to take some serious risks. As a kid, I was a gymnast, um, loved just being kind of fearless. I do believe that in my early teenage years, the enemy kind of used my wirings against me. And kind of took a hold and and um, told me some lies about myself that I ended up believing that um, allowed me to be even more rebellious. And I liked it. <laughs> it was um, it was probably from the age of like 15 all the way up until um, I met my husband around 23. I was living in some pretty... Um, I'll call them some painful um, years. Not all of it was painful. A lot of it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, But there was a lot of pain in that also. There was a lot of darkness. Made a lot of really, really bad decisions. And um, fell into um, alcohol and drug abuse. And um, just kind of lived that way for, for a while. I would say that was Michonne before Strip Church Dayton. Yeah. When you described yourself as 
God wiring you mm-hmm. a little rebellious. I love that. Yeah. I love that you would give God the credit for maybe a fearlessness, a ferocity, an adventurer's spirit. Yeah. That so many times seems to have been um, wiped out or, or tempered within that Christian culture. Yeah. I was, I think I was really confused in the beginning because the people that I saw at church, I wasn't like them or I didn't, I didn't think I was like them. And maybe that was part of the lies that I was hearing. Mm. Um, And don't get me wrong, the church that I was raised in, I had a lot of people that loved me very dearly, but there was a lot of religiosity in that church. Right on. And... A lot of the people wanted to fix me, and they didn't want me to be the way that I was. But that was the struggle that I had early on, wondering why I was wired a certain way, feeling like it wasn't right, and then coming back around to, you know, what God had in store for me. He did wire me that way. There is a reason why I was the way that I was, but I bought into a lie that told me I was wrong. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. What, when that awakening happened, mm-hmm. was it through a person, a moment? Um, was it something gradual over time? Or was there an influential season of your life that you can remember seeing that shift that went from rebellious and must be out away from this yeah. religion or this faith to rebellious inside the will of God. Yeah. So I kind of remember where it all started. I had just had my daughter. I had met my husband. We have a pretty crazy story. Um, we got pregnant pretty close to the same time we met and had our daughter nine months um, later. And I really... As pregnancy does, sometimes gets you a little bit back on track because I wanted something different for my daughter than the life mm-hmm. I had been living. And um, my husband and I decided we want to kind of start back to church. And we started attending a church, and we really liked it. Got a call from my dad, who was the preacher at First Church, who I've always loved hearing my dad teach. He said, hey, I'm going to be at Southbrook Church in Miamisburg his first time teaching there ever, and he had retired from um, First Church. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. You know, why not? So I went in, enjoyed it. It was it was cool. You know, I always thought of Southbrook as like this um, white suburban golfer country club church. <laughs> and I was like, mm. my husband had like this black and white, like, six-inch mohawk at the time, and we were like, oh, we're going to stick out like sore thumbs in this church. But we went, it was super cool, and we're like, yeah, we'll come back next week. So we came back the next week. Our pastor, Charlie, was on sabbatical, and there was this guest teacher from California, and he had this nonprofit that was called Triple X Church. It was under um, Fireproof Ministries, and this guy talked about pornography and sexual purity in church. I had never heard that Mm. ever. Mm. And the way he addressed it and the way he approached it was so different and so like, what? We're talking about this in church? Are you kidding me? But it literally, I remember the day that that seed was planted in my heart. Mm. 
And it was like, I didn't realize that Christians could kind of talk about those things or that they could be addressed or that there was, I don't know, a subject about them. And that was the seed that was planted in my heart. And then later after that, Triple X Church goes into these pornography conventions and they wanted to send someone from our church. They asked me and I had not been that cleaned up Christian yet. I wasn't even really like back in the church yet. I mean, I had attended for on and off for about a year, but still just trying to dipping my toes in. And they asked me. And I didn't really know why they asked me, but if later I asked the, the pastor who sent me and he said, I saw something in you. I saw a little rebellion that was needed in order to go here. And it was what clicked that what I knew my wirings were, God was able to use those for his glory and not for what I had been using them for previously. And what did you do with that? So you go to a porn convention, you start to connect with on a relational level. What does that look like uh, for someone who's invited to a porn convention on behalf of Jesus? It was awesome. So these conventions, like any convention you would ever go to in a convention center, and people have been to bridal conventions, construction. Con I mean, there's a convention for everything, right? Well, why would there not be a convention for the sex industry? Um, so there are booths set up, and Triple um, X Church sets up a booth right smack dab in the middle. It is this beautiful, um, catchy, hot pink booth that says Jesus Loves Porn Stars. And it just it rocked my world, knowing that I could go in and share the love of Jesus without judgment, without con like condemnation, without saying, well, but you're wrong for doing this. I didn't have to. I mm -hmm. All my job was is to go in this convention and tell people that Jesus loves them. That was it. And obviously there's questions that are asked there. But my answer to all of those questions was, it is not my job to judge you or tell you you're wrong. It is my job to come here and let you know that Jesus loves you right here, right now. With everything that you're carrying, with everything that you're doing, he could not love you any more than right now. And I was like, sign me up for that job. But I also, as I was sharing this, it was impacting me. It was changing me because yeah. I didn't believe that about myself or I didn't know that about myself um, because I had kind of been told that if you look like these people that come into church with their lives together, which we all know their lives are really not together, <laughs> then he'll love you. Mm. And so this was something I think that was so Im impactful for me to know that um, they could, they wanted to use someone like me who wasn't all cleaned up, still super rough around the edges. I'm still super rough around the edges um, to share this message. And I could do it. And I did it really well because once I kind of like took it in and realized it about myself, it was so exciting for me to share this with everyone. And so I think that that's where it kind of landed to where, I mean, it just, it honestly, like 
catapulted me into like, I need more of this. I need, I want more of this. How do I do this all the time? How can I, which you can, it doesn't, you have to do that in a porn convention. You can do that anywhere. But that's where Strip Church Dayton, I think, came yeah. out of all that. Does that lead? Yeah, that. So the conventions are happening in different places, and then yeah. you live in Dayton, Ohio, and you come back into a space where, after this transformative season of life, where just simply saying Jesus loves you works in a convention environment, you look around your neighborhood and you find that there are some things in our backyards um, that exist somewhat like the porn convention environment. And you start Strip Church Dayton. That's a little over three years ago. You just celebrated your three-year anniversary. What are some practical uh, ways the mission of Strip Church Dayton works um, in the neighborhood environment now? So we're currently going into two of our clubs um, that are in the Dayton and, you, and by clubs, you mean gentlemen's clubs, Gentlemen's right? clubs, yep. yep. So there are two that are currently um, in our area. There's actually been quite a few that have been shut down recently. The tornado took out a bunch of them. Um, there's none in Cincinnati due to certain laws and regulations. So the two that we have are literally in our backyard. They're in our community. And um, so with Strip Church Dayton, what we do is we pack up um, – gift bags and we do something different every month who doesn't like getting a gift right but giving a gift in jesus's name is a whole different story gifts that have been prayed over um put together with love and um using our community to donate things has been amazing so we we take these gifts in and we go in and let these girls know, hey, we're here, Worcester Church Dayton. We just want you to know that Jesus loves you. You just say that, and then you get all sorts of like, what do you mean? Are you with a church? Is it an actual building? Is it? And then comes all the questions. And we are so excited to answer all of those mm. questions. Um, sometimes when we go in, you, I cannot tell you how many times the response has just been tears. Wow. Like, we're here with Strip Church Dayton, and we, we do go in the dressing room of, of one of the clubs, and we get to spend as much time in there as we want, and we meet a lot of new people. We see a lot of familiar faces. There's always new girls coming in, but we get to give them a gift bag and let them know they're loved by Jesus. And honestly, like, the main response we get is just tears. It's almost like the Holy Spirit just, that little, that seed that goes in there into their hearts, it just kind of like... It does something. Our main goal is not to go in there and drop off gifts and leave and come back and do it again next month. Our goal is to build lifelong relationships with these women. Our, I guess our main question we get asked by outsiders is, are you trying to get them out of the industry? That is never our goal is to completely just remove them out of a place where they are making money and to... Um, Tell them that that's bad and that is, you know, they need to go do something else. Our goal is so much deeper is to create in them a new identity in Christ and letting them know that Jesus um, has given them so many giftings and wirings and abilities and personalities. And they are just there. Every girl is so much more than their body. I think that's safe to say, right? 
so much more than their body. They are just created in the image of God and their mind and their spirit and their soul is so valuable. And out of that, you know, creating these relationships with them that maybe one day we'll start a dialogue about, hey, I have always had this passion to do fill in the blank. And if we can be a resource to them, to get them, a lot of times there's um, there's a lack of resources. There's a lack of support. There's a lack of encouragement, whether it be from, you know, not having a family to do that or not having the education. And, and again, every story is completely different with all of these women. Every single woman has a different story. But if we can be there to create value in these women, that's that's our job to create love and value in these women. Can you think of a moment, even recently, where you thought, this is working. These aren't just gifts that are coming into this space, but we're building relationships, and the relationships are leading to consent and transformation through these conversations. Yeah, I actually just had something like that happen recently, and... um, Last November, met a girl during our Thanksgiving outreach, and similar situation as I shared with you before, walked in and handed her a gift, and it was just immediate waterworks, tears, and uh, this girl in in particularly had a relationship with the Lord, but it just kind of turned away, um, was dealing with some major anxiety and depression, and when we showed up for her, it was it was the Lord showing up for her, you know, and we, we see that a lot. Like, and we want people to know that this is not about us. This is not what we are doing. This is what the Lord is doing. He is showing up for you, maybe through us, but he is showing up for you. And that is what it was like for her. Um, she got my phone number, um, wanted to stay in touch with me, wanted to ask some more questions. And organically we started doing life together. She wanted to come to church. So she started coming to church, and um, we started something new. We knew this year at three years we wanted to start, I'm going to say in, in quotes, Bible study. I, we didn't want it to be called a Bible study. We wanted it to be somewhere that wasn't at church. We wanted it to be very organic, and we started something, what what is called a discovery Bible study, allowing just reading Scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to to speak to you through it. We started one. She was the only one that came. We invited five girls, and she was the only one that came. She came to two of them. And the first one, she said, can we do this every week? And we were like, yeah, let's do it. And then the second one, um, at the end of the scripture, you have to create an I will statement, an act of obedience. And we were reading about um, Jesus' baptism, and her I will statement was, I have to get baptized. It's it's the next step for me. I know that's what the Lord's calling me to do. And she went, she wanted to do it immediately. So that next weekend I was able to baptize her and that was just one of those like big God hugs where he was like it's it's working. This is working and it's slow but not. That's powerful. I saw a post, I believe, around that day of you baptizing 
this young woman, I'm assuming that it's it's the one that you just yeah. spoke about. And your dad's in that picture too. Yeah. I feel like there's a thread here that I just want to tug on a little bit that the invitation, even before the Sunday with Craig, that then leads into this other thing was an invitation from your dad to say, hey, do you want to come hear me? I'm teaching again. Yeah. It was something that you loved. And then this last photo that I saw around this baptism was you and your dad baptizing together. Is there something about your story that just um, seems to just interweave mm -hmm. his journey with you as he has this rebellious daughter who loves Jesus? <laughs> Gosh, yes. Oh, and I'll try to say it without getting emotional. But yeah, I think that my dad would totally say that the Lord has used my wirings to grow him out of his comfort zone. Wow. Yeah, he was the the pastor at First Church, and he's even admitted so many times where he was back when he was teaching there, like, gosh, yeah, I was real religious. You know, there was a lot of rules. And to see him step out of those rules, step away from those rules into this openness of like, I want to partner with my daughter into this out of the box kind of thing. And the, what my dad's involvement in this um, to make sure he yeah. stays, you know, um, credible through all this. His job is one of my favorites. Um, he drives us. He's like our bodyguard. And he drives us to the club. Not that we need a bodyguard, but you do. Um, and he parks. And Dave Dameron, who um, he uh, co-pastored with at First Church, who Jennifer, his wife, is the co-founder with me with Strip Church. Um, they, they park at the club. And they, they bring all the gifts in the back of the truck. My dad helps load them all up. And then they sit and they pray over us as, as we go in there. And like, it's so special that he partners with me in this. And I, I think we both have grown exponentially through this, but also like Neither of us would want it any other way to know that, you know, where we both have come from, the struggles, the, the hard teenage, early 20 years where I guarantee my dad thought I was just, I don't want to say too far gone. He never thought I was too far gone. I know that. But just what what is going to happen from here? I He has seen something different in me the entire time. And he has been my biggest cheerleader since day one. But you got to think that he wondered, like, how can someone that I love so much be doing these things? And then seeing the Lord redeem that, I'm sure is pretty cool for him. Yeah, I'm sure that he had not written down in his journal you know, 20 years ago that I hope 20 years from now I'm sitting in the parking lot of a gentleman's <laughs> club waiting on my daughter to come out. Right. Or right. if God told him that before, he would have freaked out. And he would, and not no, right? There would have been all kinds of different responses. Right. And the beauty of what it looks like to hold value and worth and say, if you're rebellious, then I guess I am too. Yeah. In this space. Let me first ask this question What do you feel about the participants from the side of 
finding pleasure in this industry and then those who are running it and creating it from that side? Do you have feelings about them? It it will be, I believe, um, just because of some past trauma in my own life, it'll be my forever journey of leveling the playing field in in my mind of Jesus died for everyone. Mm. Um, I can look at a, a dancer, a girl, and be like, oh, you sweet, beautiful woman who was made in the image of God. Jesus died for you, and you are so loved, and you are so valuable. And I can't wait to share that with you. And then I'll see a man in the club and be like, not you. He didn't for you. <laughs> And that's that's me. That's my own flesh. Uh, yeah. And to know yeah. that Jesus said, "Nope, both of you." Yeah. And um, it's hard. I think it'll always be hard. It's getting easier, you know. Hearing stories of some of the men, um, we are all filling a void in our heart, and and there is a cross shaped void in our heart that. We all just fill in the blank, fill it with, and and only Jesus can fill that. And so that's where I try so much harder now to really realize every person I come in contact with, male or female, that Jesus died for them and that they're just trying to fill a void and they need love just like everyone else. In that tension with the difficulty or the hard story that— you feel the justice longing coming out of, now, I kind of want you to yeah. pay for what you've done. Yeah. Or in addition to that, I'm sure that uh, backstage, which, by the way, the fact that club owners are just oh, yeah. creating space for you to be that's there the is Lord's pretty— That's the Lord's favor. There's, wow, no, there's that's so, no other that's way That's powerful, to that. right? That, mm-hmm. is, that is something that is just impressive about it. That has to have led you into a place where— the stories are not clean cut and they're really hard and you both see and hear some overwhelming things. Where do you put those stories? What do you do with those as a wife and a mom and a business owner? Where do you put all that you're experiencing so that you can keep moving forward with that hope outside of that space? When when you hear all these stories, it does change the entire way you view the world. It just makes me see every person different. Mm. It makes me realize, yeah, I mean, just find every face. There is there is a story and there is a longing and there is a place for Jesus to intersect with them. When I want to go and, and judge someone or when I want to go and and condemn someone for what they're doing, that there is probably a reason why they have done what they have done and why they are who they are. On behalf of families that are deepening connection because a sister, a mom, a daughter feels known and loved on a night where the strip church team shows up and shares gifts, on behalf of some men who have chosen not to walk into a club because there are two men in the parking lot praying over it, I just want to say thank you for the voices you're never going to hear from. And last, I would just like to say thank you for being so open and vulnerable in this story. You're really an open book for us, and I know that there are going to be so many audience members who are going to learn from that vulnerability. So thanks for even impacting lives that you've never met. 
Chris, I loved this interview with Michonne. Yeah, she was so vulnerable. It was just so good, her transparency in this. Yeah, I, I did find myself wondering, how did it feel for you as a man to be the one having this conversation? As a man, uh, I wanted to take the posture of a listener and a learner and not as the gender that is the focal point of this industry in a lot of mm. ways, yeah. culturally especially. And I found myself in the vantage point more of a husband, a father, and a friend to other men that I know have been engaged in some different levels of this particular issue. So what Michonne did was play the role of teacher and encourager to all of us, not men, not women, but humans. The vantage point that Michonne brought that I know impacted you, there's ministering to women, there's also there's men in the equation too. Yeah. And you you asked her and she yeah. answered really directly yeah. that it is hard for her to also believe that Jesus's love and forgiveness extends to the men who are consumers yeah, in this I, industry. I heard you in your words like that impacted you some type of way. Yeah, Tell I mean me about I found that. myself I found myself thinking about who are people that I know in my story that I am tempted to also believe that Jesus's love doesn't extend to them, maybe because they've hurt people that I love or because I've, I don't know, written them off as too far gone. I'm, I'm not sure, but it really just challenged me to think about, are there people that I have put in that category of like, nope, Jesus's love isn't for you when, when in reality he's saying it is. Yeah, and I thought that was really self-aware of her. Yeah, even, I mean, her level of self-awareness was... Off the charts. Yeah, yeah. throughout the right. whole conversation. Yeah. But especially right at the beginning when she said that God wired her a little bit rebelliously. I thought that was incredible. What do you think about that? I thought that she won the podcast in that <laughs> moment and we could have just ended there because she chose to use words of intentionality about the creation of something, the wiring of something that we often then put words in instead of like fix redeem fix downplay uh, right yeah overcome, overcome all mm-hmm. yeah all of those things that instead she's like god wired me a little rebelliously on and, purpose yes with the purpose which means god's intentionally going to work with that mm-hmm. not work in spite of that and that i thought that was just really really powerful and encouraging and it makes me think about us as a community of thinking words in my own life words in your life sammy that we may be trying to overcome instead of claim as our wiring. And that's a huge takeaway, but also words we should give away that we've seen in others around us, whether it's a family member, a friend, a child that we've used to downplay the authenticity of how God is wiring for something that we haven't seen happen yet. Yeah. I mean, even the beginning of Michonne's journey into going to the porn convention and her first like experience in that was someone calling out something they saw in her and and saying this is something God's going to use and I think we can do that for others. Yeah I think that's a beautiful way to illustrate that we can see it in ourselves we can see it in others and there are some things that we need to start doing like claiming each other's wiring claiming each other's identity and claiming the futures that are possible. There's also a few things that we should stop doing 
And as an audience, I'm going to be very direct with this. Men, we have been labeled and framed in a specific way here. And some of our responses to Michonne's conversation is simply to stop doing things. It might be a website that you need to stop. It might be a place that we need to stop going. And it might need to be new communities that we need to create. I think Michonne has some resources for us for yeah, that, Yeah, right? she's also on the board of something called Live Free. And livefreecommunity.org offers resources for men who are struggling with pornography addiction. It's community-based, relationship-based. I would encourage anyone to visit that site to make use of those resources. The link is in the show notes if that is something that would be helpful to you. And that is just a resource that we wanna encourage. So what are you going to start? What might you stop? And how might you give some great words to those who are around you? Those are some good questions to take away. Kohatch, again, has been a phenomenal host for us to make this podcast possible. Mikey, our producer, always comes through for us in brilliant ways. And Be the Difference community, we keep coming back into this space because we want to continue to create stories with you, and we'll see you at the next episode.